Okay. Right. Um, why not? We've been thinking about clear sound. I was... An old song that I sang, I remember singing as a child, came into my mind. And it had the, the line in it, blow a trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. I thought, oh, that sounds to me like making a clear sound. But when we looked into the sound and thought, uh, into the song, we thought, well, where does it come from in the Bible? And it led us to Joel. Um, and I started kind of trying to understand what the song actually meant. And it was a bit of a surprise to me because I thought it was, it was about something exciting. It was about gearing up for, you know, maybe warfare or something because the trumpet in the Bible is used for many different things. It's used for sounding an alarm. It's used for warfare. It's used for declaration. But in the book of Joel, it's a wake-up call. He's calling the people of God to wake up to wake up. And it's a call to repentance. So can you just put those words for me? Wake up and then repentance underneath. The book of Joel begins with an invasion of locusts, an army of locusts which God allowed. It doesn't say it came from anywhere else. It said God allowed. It was while the people of God were sleeping. The locusts came among them. And Joel summons the people to wake up. The alarm is a call to repentance, to rend your heart to the Lord. And it says, consecrate the assembly. That's about purity. That's about becoming pure. And as I kind of reflect over the last couple of years, I think we've been going through a bit of a journey of waking up and repentance. We've seen that at it started a couple of years ago at Leaders Weekend. We just really saw God meet with us and, and just um, many, many people just repenting of many different things. So what follows that? What follows the repentance? As the people respond to the Lord, the repentance is a, rep- a promise of restoration. Joel goes on to say, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you. The God may have allowed the locusts, but his promise is for restoration. Why did he allow it? He allowed it because there was sleeping, because people were not alert to what he was doing. And, you know, looking back, we've seen that time of waking up. We've seen a time of repentance And I believe now is the time for restoration. And thinking, what are the things that the locusts have eaten? What are the things that God's promising to restore to us? Who who is not amongst us that should be amongst us? What what has the locust eaten? What can we be expecting that God is going to be restoring to us at at this time? But it doesn't stop there. Because Joel goes on to say, and afterwards, this is your next one, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. So as we are restored, God promises a fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit. I'm so excited because I feel we're at that point. And I am so ready for it. I'm so ready for it. And I think in different ways, we're actually beginning to see that. But there's so much more. There's so much more that we have not seen for such a long time. And I'm just so excited. I believe it it can start today, but I believe at clear sign we are going to see a new and fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in, in an exciting way. But it doesn't stop there. Why does God pour out his spirit on us? It's for purpose. And Joel goes on to talk about preparing for war and for harvest, both at the same time. I think somewhere else in the Bible it talks about them having their sickle on one hand and their sword in the other hand. The sickle is the tool used to harvest, and obviously the sword is for war. And um, so after the Holy Spirit is, is the purpose of war and harvest. So wake up. 
no longer sleeping and oblivious. What's going around? The distractions of the locust. Repentance, a call to purity. Lives that make a clear sound. Restoration. God's heart is to restore even that which he allowed. His restoration is abundant. The outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Refreshing and empowering so that we may live fully in our purpose. And finally, war and harvest, the destruction of our enemies and the reaping of an abundant harvest. That's what we can be expecting. That sound good? Yeah, very good. Excellent. All right. Phil. Morning, everyone. So during the weekend away, there was a bit where we were worshipping and waiting on God, and I felt God gave me um, a prophetic picture, and I wanted to share that with you. So I want you to imagine a landscape with sunshine on it. Can you picture it? Children, can you picture that? A landscape, and there's sunshine. But have you ever been outside when you feel that there's a storm coming, and there's that kind of electric atmosphere? The atmosphere feels kind of heavy. It's it's exciting. It feels, I could almost describe it as being pregnant, waiting, ready for something to happen. So I was standing there and I was just, there was this sort of rush of air, that sense of a storm ready to blow in. And I had that sense of getting ready for the rain. And how big is your bucket? How many containers can you have to catch the rain? And at first I thought, okay, God, this is a sign of you being ready to pour out your spirit on us. And therefore, we've got to be ready to catch as much of you as possible. So I started thinking about that. But then I felt God say, no, that's not what I mean. And I felt him say that what we need to do is get our buckets and puncture them, knock the bottoms out of the buckets. It was this idea that we can't contain God. And if we try and capture his reign, then we might get a filled up bucket, but it's only going to become stagnant again at some point. That water will get dirty. So got this real sense of pushing the bottoms out of the buckets and the containers and this sense that basically clear the way knock the bottoms out clear the ditches and I saw these irrigation kind of ditches that were being cleared out the way that rain was just going to pour over that landscape and the water was going to rush through all the gullies and it was going to go and irrigate the land and that land was going to be really really fruitful and amazing and I just felt really stirred by that, that we just needed to be waiting on God to clear all those blockages out. Just that sense of God being able to do something absolutely incredible in the coming times and that we don't need to worry about trying to capture it for ourselves, but we need to prepare our hearts and be ready to be used by him in an amazing way. Thanks, Phil. Now, that's very, very key because we're very focused on next weekend or the long weekend. But we're also thinking about beyond that because it doesn't stop there. That's not the end. That's another very, very key part as we continue on the journey that God's given us. So to that end, please be very careful. Don't be asleep. All right? Don't let's miss the opportunities. And who's got one of these this morning? All right, inside you'll see the upcoming training opportunities. Remember, we train for war, we engage in harvest, and it's part of the plan of God that we're equipped by him for these things. So I just want you to take careful note so that you don't miss any of these things that are coming up and that you can engage in any of those that you really want to. All right, that's very good, boys and girls. You've done well. Who wants to tell me? Who wants to tell me if their mum or dad has been good? Good. Both of them. Well done, Luke. That that's very good. Anybody else tell me, mum or dad's been good? Mum's been good. Excellent. I might give her a sweet later. Yeah. Your your mum, your dad. Yeah. Good. But he's, he's not looking at me now. 
All right, go on, boys and girls. And Eureka, you go to your time. You've all gone very quiet. It's a good time to sort of greet someone, tell them what God's doing, tell them how you've seen God at work this week. There's so many children and young people now that actually the tail end of those are still just going out. So um, we have to give a moment for them to go out and then get back. So if you've got no one to talk to, come and talk to me because I've obviously got no one to talk to here. So It's a hard life. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard life. I've been uh, very blessed this week. Clear sound was was tremendous, but um, sorry, the leaders' week, leaders' weekend, preparing for clear sound was tremendous. But you know, God is not restricted to to sort of special times. And the things that I've had the privilege of hearing this week, just God's involvement, God's power, God's uh, engagement amongst us, lives being changed, uh, wonderful uh, redirections and provisions. and I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing time uh, to just be alive in the kingdom. It's very, very good. So, we're looking forward to next weekend, as I already said. Uh, it's, not, it's not a time of arrival. It's a time of entry. Uh, entry into all the good things that God has got lined up for, for the next phase, the next stage. And we're delighted that you've chosen, those of you visiting today, to, to be with us. Um, I can't tell you how wonderful we are because I'm too humble but it's a great place to be why is it a great place to be? well not because we're anything special but because God is at work uh, amongst us we're not interested in going through the form of religion we've departed from that we're interested in a relationship with Jesus Christ we're interested in his power at work in this world in this time, in this day and age. And uh, the reports that come back uh, from the different places, uh, fantastic, uh, encouraging. Those of you that were at the prayer meeting on Tuesday heard this uh, tremendous story. Uh, who, who told us a story about um, Prince? Was it Jamie? Just, just come and tell us that again, Jamie, because some people weren't there at that meeting, you know. These are just, this is just one example of what God's doing. So um, we're trying to get connected in with all the powers that be in regards to um, the uh, working with uh, Ebola orphans. And Prince had gone along to this meeting that was headed by the UN's uh, Children's Security and they had managed to get um, all of the top NGOs together. And, when, uh, and so the, guy was, the, the head guy, the UN guy, was saying, OK, so we need low-cost, um, short-term projects to help all of these children. And all of the kind of top NGOs and government departments all agree, and yes, that's what we need, yep, yep. And then it came to a point where Prince was getting so frustrated with this, he, he spoke up, he said, but... We've seen these, you're going about it the wrong way. We don't need to be talking about low costs and we can't be talking about short term. We need high costs and long term. And, um, and the, the UN guy said to him, um, what, what do you mean? He said, well, I've seen the same children that go through three months, six months programs back out on the street again at the end. It's not, it doesn't work. So uh, Prince said, well, no, that's, that's the only way. He said, okay, give me one example. Give me some evidence of a long-term solution, and he said, me. And then he had the opportunity to tell his story about what uh, Richard Cole did for him and that, the whole evidence of him. And then the guy said to him, oh, but you're, you're just one. He said, no, there's an army of me. Yeah. 
Um, and it turned, it flipped that conversation completely on its head. And we, we were really had an opportunity to influence that whole meeting and the focus. And they're saying, well, you need to advertise this. You need to shout about this louder. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, fantastically uh, exciting. But it's part of what God has promised, that we see a nation changed and an opportunity to speak strongly and clearly uh, into that particular area, that particular section of the nation. That's very good. So God speaks to us, and uh, often through that prophetic word, and Nathan's going to come and share with us now something that God not only said, but has subsequently added to. I've led you through a narrow place. You've had to walk carefully, ensuring your steps, ensuring you do not fall. You've had to follow me in great obedience. I didn't give you freedom to roam. I was preparing you, and I wanted you to follow single-mindedly. The place was so narrow, you were stripped like a camel going through the eye of the needle. All baggage was removed. In this time, some may have fallen behind, you were not in, and you were not enabled to reach them, as you were called solely to follow the path. You have been through the refiner's fire and have been purified. This is what God's saying to us. Well, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You have come forth with one voice in unity to a broad place. Come and share your master's happiness. In this broad place, you can go left, right, back, forth. You can draw others alongside you as your heart so desires. No longer will they fall behind, but I am drawing the little ones back to me. I am bringing you to a place of worship, of freedom, where your hearts are abandoned, a place where you can barely stand, a place of encounter with me. In these times, I will do business. I will heal the brokenhearted, those with illness. I will turn the hearts of the fathers back to children, the hearts of the children back to the fathers. People will come to know me through your worship. I will shine my light upon the darkness and release the troubled minds. Your people will know freedom. They will know healing, they will know forgiveness, they will know wholeness. Your children will know me. Enter in, possess the land, and share in my happiness. Hallelujah. We receive the word of the Lord. You may want to ponder on that a little bit. We make sure that um, that's included in the uh, bulletin. Hmm. Hands. What I'm doing is I'm bringing, I'm asking a number of people uh, who shared things um, last weekend uh, because I want us to get the, uh, not just we had a lovely time, but I want you to get the, the essence of something that God's saying to us because it's all part of us uh, preparing ourselves for an encounter with him in coming days. When we, when, we met last, when we met last week, weekend, the leaders, um, after Nathan shared that and he gave the context of it, um, he was feeling led to visit um, one of the young people who used to fellowship here with us, but not just not fellowshipping here, but seemed to not be walking with God as he did previously. And interestingly, Phil was feeling stirred he said to us for the past two weeks, we're praying for this young person as well. And while they were sharing that, it's almost like it was, you know, that God don't talk in English, right? God talks, he he makes, he releases something in your heart. So while they were talking, I was hearing, um, this is the key. And Nathan said something. He said he felt this individual was like a damn wall buster. And I just started to, to meditate and ask God, what is he saying? in that. Um, Also, Phil said he felt to pray for a lot of the young people, but he felt God didn't give him freedom to go further than this one name. And the name that they were focusing on then was that guy called Caleb November. And I did a quick word search of that name, and it's a compound word in Hebrew, which is Kolev, and translated in English, Caleb. 
And the meaning of that word is whole, the column, the first part, and the second part, hearted. So um, I tried to link that back to what Phil and Nathan was bringing. So they're saying, this is the thing that will burst the dam, burst the wall for that release for the things that we have been praying and believing God for in terms of an avalanche of people coming into their rightful and true positions that they've been destined to be. And interestingly, when you look at Caleb in the biblical accounts, and you know, in, in chapter 21 of Joshua, he's talking about him receiving his inheritance, but God didn't give an inheritance to the Levites. And interestingly, Caleb, all, the, all the other tribes had to give the Levites a, a lot out of their inheritance. And Caleb gave the center and the best of what he had, and that was Hebron. And Hebron was the place where the, um, the Anak tribe, Anak tribe was, um, the, those were the giants of the day. Remember we talk about the Israelites being fearful of the giants. And as you look deeper in that, and you go back to Deuteronomy, and you go back to, to Joshua 7 as well, it's quite interesting that he, um, Caleb, he was always referred to as a, I think he's a Kenzinite, and that wasn't part of the tribe of Israel. And when I looked into that, Caleb's dad was not part of the lineage of Judah, all right? You know, we, the Bible talks about we are the tribe of Judah, um, the fourth son of Jacob. It's interesting that Caleb's, I think his mom was part of the Israelites, but his father came from somewhere else. And a lot of biblical scholars contend that Judah and even Caleb is a typeface of us, the Gentiles, coming into our inheritance but I found it quite interesting that 12 spies went out. Caleb was chosen to represent Judah, which was eventually the tribe of Israel, the lineage to which Jesus came. And he wasn't naturally a descendant, per se, of pure Jewish lineage. But yet still, in Joshua, I think, 1407, it said he interrupted the report and said, hey, guys, we could take this land. Let us not see ourselves as grasshoppers, but we could fully take it because God has said it to be so. And that to me represented someone who was zealous and committed to wholeheartedly see the word of God come to pass. And when eventually um, God confronted Joshua and said, hey, stop wondering now. Everybody has died out. It's time for you to now possess the land. It's quite interesting that when God said, I want you to go through these lands, but don't disturb these people, the Moabs and the other things, but I want you to go through this land and this one I've given you. Quite interestingly, the two tribes that God said don't disturb, they were the tribes of Lot and the, the descendants of Lot and the descendants of Esau. And when you look into that, the descendants of Esau and the descendants of Lot had also destroyed the giants, the sons of Anak. And I said, whoa. Here is, you know, it took me back to, to Rahab. Here is Rahab saying, hey, I believe in you, Israel, because fear and dread is inside of our heart because your God does this and does that for you. But sometimes we, because of our lack of wholehearted surrender to God, sometimes even the seed of the promise cannot believe that God is really going to give us the breakthrough and the increase that he has destined for us. So often, when we hear prophetic words or we we, we reflect on God rich dealing with us. We could sometimes say, God, it can't happen. You know, almost like that young prophet, can these dry bones live? And probably often our answer is no. So my question to us, when we hear Nathan declare what he declared there, that is God's intent. But what is required to partner with that, to bring us, is not just saying, yes, I'm one of the other 12 tribes of Israel. It requires a changed heart and a posture that says, you know what, God, you can perform that, and I will lay hold on that. All right? Having silence. We're supposed to be agreeing, yeah? God is not just interested in the fact that you are part of a lineage. There is a spiritual DNA that allows you to possess the land. There is a spiritual DNA that allows others to possess the land, and that is wholeheartedness. And therefore, I think there is something for us as we are in this broad place there will be giants. There will be things. But um, let's go past just the literal translation of what God says and link to the metaphor. Even now, Hebron, which is the biggest, one of the largest cities of Palestine, 
still flows with, it's noted for big grapes and big dairy farms. But if I tell you Palestine, you will not think naturally. <laughs> grapes or figs or whatever the case is. So literally, we could lock ourselves into a dimension or we could lock ourselves into the liberty that Jesus, who was the, you know, the seed for our inheritance that he has given us. And I want to believe everything that God has declared in that word to Nathan or everything that Phil said in terms of being a pure flow and conduit for God's grace. I can become that. My family can become that. My friends can become that. My community can become that. So that's our choice today. Will we wholeheartedly yield to that which God is saying and allow God to really burst forth and do a wondrous work among us? Thanks, Hans. There's a whole world of difference between uh, uh, holding the promise and claiming the promise, uh, having the knowledge of. I remember uh, going to minister at a church, I went there a number of times, and I was, I was impacted by the number of people that said they, they had the word of the Lord. God had spoken to them, and they had a promise from God. But I was also impacted by the fact that it looked as though they'd stopped at that point, almost as though they got a trophy um, or something that was precious, but they put it in a glass cabinet to keep looking at it, rather than actually uh, pursue to see that thing come to pass. And uh, I never want to be in that situation where <clears throat> we know of a promise, or we hear of a promise, or uh, even accept that that is a promise, but just leave it at that point. And uh, Jamie's going to come and uh, help us to see what it means to, to actually in, take possession of the very things that God's speaking to us about. By the way, since you're hearing it, since you're hearing these things, you can rest assured that God is speaking to you, not just the person next to you or somebody across the room, all right? Because... You may have been invited here, you may come here on a regular basis, but God has ordained that you should be here today to hear these things for your sake. We'll, it's great to all be together, but there's a very personal application in this, that God doesn't just <coughs> excuse me, deal with us as a kind of mass, but he deals with us as individuals who he's, his hand is upon in a very special way. Thanks, Jamie. Okay, so we're going to um, show you a short clip from um, a film called Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Um, really just an excuse to show you a bit of this movie. And so the point where you're up to is uh, this guy, um, Eddie, is just about to get um, part payment for a job that he's, he's taking on to do. It's just Dumbo. I know who it is. I got him on loan from Disney. Him and half the cast of Fantasia. The best part is, they work for peanuts. Well, I don't work for peanuts. Where's the other 50? Let's call the other 50 a carrot to finish the job. You've been hanging around rabbits too long. Oh, 
like a bank? Okay, so I want you to hold that in your mind. I'm going to give you a few other threads, and you've got to, we'll pull them all together in a minute. Um, when John was giving his feedback after being in Dominica, um, he was talking about the uh, disease that they'd had on the banana crops, and we were also at that time talking about um, Ebola and the effect that was, that, that was having. And um, Beck gave a word to the leadership team. Uh, she said, when you were talking about the banana crops and Ebola, I had a, a strong sense of when Jesus told Peter to fish from the other side. God is calling us to, ch uh, to challenge the hopelessness of situations with a practical instruction, cast your nets on the other side. Those who hear the word have a choice in response. If they are obedient in action, they will see the abundance that follows. Okay, so that, that strand two, that word of God speaking to hopelessness um, and saying, cast, cast your, your net on the other side. I was listening to some teaching by Bill Johnson, and um, he was talking about the story of Zechariah. Now, Zechariah was John the Baptist's father, but before John the Baptist was born, um, you, you kind of get a brief introduction to Zechariah. He was a priest. Um, and Elizabeth was a descendant, that was his wife, a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of God's covenant and decrees. They were blameless. So they were doing everything right, but yet they were childless. And they were both very old. And then Zechariah is doing what Zechariah does. He's in the, in the temple doing his priestly duties, uh, serving before God. And it says in, in Luke 1, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. You will call him John. He will be the joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Now, Bill Johnson said that he'd actually done a study on the phrase, um, your prayer has been heard. And he said it's probably more accurate to say the prayers that you've stopped praying have been heard. In that um, little sketch, that, that video, you see Eddie get a paycheck. That paycheck is a declaration of what is owed to him. It's a promise. He then tries to get on the bus using the paycheck. But the guy obviously doesn't take it, and he says, do I look like a bank? What I believe God's saying to us is it's time to cash the check-in, to cash the promise in. And some of those promises might even be promises that you've stopped praying, that you've stopped believing for. But God in his mercy is bigger than our position of belief. I believe God's saying to us, remember what is written on your paycheck. Remember what, what I've promised over you. And just this morning, I saw this verse in um, Genesis 28. It's God speaking. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. What is on your paycheck? What do you need to be cashing in at this point? Not a lot of use unless it's cashed in. You know, it's a piece of paper. But there's a thought, isn't it? That God still remembers and still got on his agenda the prayers that we've prayed, even maybe we've given up praying. God has still heard that. And it's very important, uh, as God speaks to us in these things, that we, we pick up um, and apply uh, the way you do that is saying, Lord, is there something I've stopped praying that you've still got 
on your agenda for me or for whatever it was. See, this is a time of, of cashing in the cheque, a time of receiving not just the fact that there is a promise, but the outworking of the promise, uh, a very positive time. A couple of things I want to bring to you, and then we'll hear from a couple of other people. Um, I believe there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that tells us to um, add, to pick up something without dropping what we've got. Uh, so it's not an exchanging, but it's an adding. So you have this, but also here's something else you need to pick up. And I believe that's something that God's saying to us. He's given us the joy of walking in community, an expression of what God is really like. And the loving and serving and caring and giving is something that we, we delight to practice in because it's a delight unto God. We care uh, for one another. This is an expression of loving one another. That's very good. And uh, he doesn't want us to drop that. But this is a time when he's speaking about adding something more to us. And the thing that I'm thinking came, came particularly like this because strangely, uh, I felt God draw my attention to that story that many of you will know, a uh, horrific story, really, in the Acts of the Apostles, when uh, Ananias and Sapphira uh, were, first of all, him, uh, had sold some land, and in that time, everybody was bringing the surplus of what they had uh, and giving out of what they had for the need of others. And... <clears throat> He comes, uh, but he kind of deducts something from it. He doesn't give, and he's pretending that he, he was giving what he'd received. And uh, uh, he's rebuked by Peter, and he loses his life right there on that spot. And then the wife comes in. In this, in this account, the wife comes in a bit later and does the same thing. They both end up dead. I mean, it's a horrific story. Uh, and... What, what I felt drawn to was that, I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us if they had children, if they had parents, if they had relatives, but it's reasonable to understand that there would have been many that were troubled and upset in that situation. And I felt God saying to us, you know, you guys would be very good at caring and coming alongside and serving and helping and being practical in those things. I don't want you to stop that. But neither do I want you to miss that I am a God of awesome power. I am a God of supernatural power. I am a God to be feared. A God who, um, the Bible goes on to say, you know, nobody lightly joined to that group. You didn't just sort of think, oh, that might be nice. I like that song. I'll join that. No, th this was something that was a very serious step to take. Uh, and yet, it says... And God was adding to them because they were expressing and demonstrating something which reflected what God wanted and God was adding to them. So we're saying, don't drop one thing, this is what the Bible says, without, uh, in order to pick up something else, but add to it. The sense of what God's saying at this time uh, is that he wants to add to us additional dimensions in the recognition of the supernatural power of God. In other words, a, a, a heightened expectation alongside the love and care and all those things which I've just mentioned, a heightened expectation uh, for him to work amongst us in supernatural power and demonstrate what an awesome, powerful God he is. A God to be feared, but a God who is on our side. So as we go forward... Uh, Something to add, an expectation to add, a focus to bring in addition to what we've already got. The second thing was this. Uh, in Matthew 7 and again in Luke 11, you read about um, giving. The Bible talks about give and it shall be given unto you. Now, we've had the privilege uh, in many ways uh, in giving. 
and uh, this scripture has always been there. But when God speaks to us, he heightens or brings into focus or puts a spotlight on a particular thing. And I feel that this is what God's saying. He's put a spotlight, he's highlighting something. That as we have, in accordance with what God has said, and we will continue to do this, this is not the end of it, uh, given, uh, whether it be in Christmas offerings or in those personal things that we do, or in providing a meal for somebody, or opening our uh, heart and our home to somebody, or sending someone uh, to another place. All these things are about giving. There's our personal giving, which is pleasing to God, and our corporate giving, which is also pleasing to God. And the, you, you, you can't get away from the fact that it says, give and it shall be given unto you. Now, let me just put a little, uh, a little health warning in here. Because we live in a world where there is a, a very um, insidious, incorrect doctrine that is sweeping the world. You'll see it if you tune into some of the Christian television. You, uh, you'll find it in many nations. And th- this is the doctrine. Listen, get this carefully. It is perfectly true that the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. But the moment we turn that just a little bit into give so that it's given unto you, we miss it. We step right into error. And it's an error that many people are being caught up in. I mean, in, in some of those African nations where there's great poverty... There is this, this doctrine that's sweeping. Please hear me and understand. Don't go there. Don't do that. And it's expressed in all sorts of ways. You know, uh, I'm sowing my seed. Yeah. Well, we'll hear a bit about sowing seed in a minute. But this idea, please, this idea that we give in order to get is so completely contrary to the whole teaching of God. It's about getting something for me. I'm doing it to get something for me. It's completely contrary to all. I mean, <laughs> let's go right back to a fundamental scripture. If you seek to save your life, you'll surely lose it. You know, if we've given our life over to the Lord uh, and our care and our provision over to him. But actually, I'm not sure he's doing a good job. I'll do this so that I get that. It is so contrary that it blows my mind to think how people could be so so readily and enthusiastically deceived into something. Then I read in the scripture about the nature of the enemy to work with, with great deception. So we're talking about something which looks the same, but it's very, very different. If we, if we give with the motive of getting, we've lost it right there. But if we give, we can expect to receive because that's what God says. Do you think you're following me? If I asked you to explain it to the person next to you, do you think you'd be okay? Good, excellent. A given, it shall be given unto you. And I believe that God highlighted that for us. For this reason. He's saying, my children, I love you. You've not, not passed some exam or achieved some special holy status. But because I love you, I want to fulfill my word. I want this to be a time for receiving. Not to stop giving. We don't stop one thing to do something else. But this is a time for receiving. What do we want to receive? Well, let's not reduce it down to a kind of money thing. Not excluding money, but I'm not wanting to just limit it to that. You know, 
What I am saying is that what is it if God wants to give to us and he's talking to us about supernatural power, he's talking to us about manifestations of healing, manifestations of resolve, of changed mindsets, things which only we can receive from a supernatural God. When he's talking about increasing the the expectation of an increase of supernatural manifestation, power amongst us. And he's then saying, given it shall be given unto you, a time of receiving. What about seeing something resolved that's long term? What was it we were just hearing? Things which we'd even given up on praying being still on the agenda of God, according to that scripture. Cashing the check, receiving the promise. Not just knowing it, but actually receiving it. It's a time for receiving. Time for receiving from God. Supernatural provision. Does that sound good? Mm. This is how God gives, by the way. Um... He doesn't kind of, he's not very, he's not meagre in his giving. He's very generous in his giving. It's nature. Um, speaks of, uh, speaks of him uh, in 2 Samuel and talks about uh, his goodness, his giving is like a dam bursting. It talks about um, Baal Perez, the breaking out of waters. I mean, when God gives, you know, I remember when God gave me initially the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way I can describe it. Well, there was this little trickle, and I thought, wow, that's good. And then I came before God again. Oh, wow. I thought, this is. And then, this is all in one, one evening. And then I thought, oh, come before God again. Bless my soul. My, I began to see the very nature. God just doesn't sort of give little, little bits of banana. He gives you the whole banana, you know. Yeah. Time for receiving. Yes. Seeing breakthroughs. People coming into that knowing of God. He says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. Well, I mean, that's a bit over the top. But actually, God is an over the top God. Gave his one and only son that you could have a relationship with him. Let him suffer the death on a cross so that the issue and the barrier of sin could be resolved, that the power of the devil could be resolved so that you could actually come into his family. That's over the top. That's, that, that completely blows the mind. That's the nature of God, an over-the-top God. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations. And that's what we do. Anything that he puts before us, we can boldly come before him because he says this, You know, if you ask for a fish or for bread, will I give you a stone? Will the Father give you a stone? How much more? If you ask your dad for something to eat, would he give you a stone? How much more shall your heavenly Father give? That's the nature of God himself. So, number of things that we're picking up. And we'll put this in the bulletin this week. But back in the beginning of January, again, I talked about four steps. And I want to bring you back to the four things for preparation. Uh, And I strongly encourage you. I'm even wondering if I ought to check up on you. Hmm. I'll think about that. That's just come to mind. Whether I can do that, I'm not sure. Is that legalistic? Neil will advise me. All right, here's number one. If we want to be in that place of receiving from him, given it shall be given unto you, if we're 
hearing about cashing the cheque, if we're hearing the things that were promised in the prophecy that we heard Nathan brought, if we're picking up the things that Hans was saying to us, if there's a sense of saying, hmm, yes, here's the way to prepare. Number one, search me, O God, and see if there's anything you want dealt with. That readiness, everything starts with repentance. Is there anything, Lord, that you want me to turn from? And it's much better that we ask the Holy Spirit to do that. God may speak through somebody, that's good, but primarily we're looking to the Holy Spirit to tell us. Secondly, take time to give thanks. Think of three things. Oh, by the way, be specific. Don't, don't be general. Let's, let's get this down to some specific things. So, uh, you know, if, it's, if you feel you should be a better person when you say, I want to repent, I feel God saying I should be a better person, I'm sure that's right. But you want to know what in particular, right? This, this is engaging with God. This is, this is talking with the one who loves us. When you give thanks, Lord, I just thank you for every blessing. Nice. But can we just give three specific things, three actual things? Can be anything. Don't even need to be for you personally. I've found this times this week, I've been absolutely excited. And I know I'm not good at showing it, but I mean, I, I was almost beside myself. It wasn't anything to do with me. It was what I saw God doing. That's okay, isn't it? Yeah. Be specific. Number three, ask. Ask. It's a time of receiving. Giving it shall be given. What? Ask. Be specific. Describe what it is that you're looking to God for. If it's a gold-plated Rolls Royce, park that one and try again. You know? Yeah? Park it, yeah. You know that? Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. You know, the Bible does give us some guidance about don't ask for things to be uh, consumed by your own lusts. Yeah, so I just, Lord, ask you for lots and lots of money. What for? For you to consume. See, we just got. To, we know this stuff, but I'm just giving you little reminders so that we can actually do this. Be specific. What are you asking for? Number four. Expect that he will give you a clear and specific thought or word to pray. All right. Pray out the thing that you feel he gives you. Very, very important. Yes? Let me just read this to you. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's a good thing to do because he might remind you the thought he may give you is something to just, hmm, he did that for me. Wow. He, he brought me out of that situation. He made that provision. He gave me that healing. He brought me into this friendship, this relationship. He's demonstrated his care. Whatever it is, pray it out. Be specific. Forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Four things to do as we prepare and key words to hear and listen to. Now, is Annabelle in here? Yes, Annabelle. 
hear a little something about sowing. Okay, so um, God spoke to me a little bit about um, what he was saying was about sowing and about how God wants us to be sowers. So I have been asking him what that meant and I have a few questions that hopefully um, will show you what I think he meant and I'll explain it along the way. Um, So God wants us to be sowers. What fruit have you harvested? Sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, what fruit have you harvested and what seeds do you have Um, and harvest is an active process you have to go out and you have to harvest from what's grown from the fruit that's there um, and you have to bring it in and you have to um, uh, harvest it as an active process Um, it might be from seed that you've planted yourself it might be seed that other people have planted Um, so what what is that seed what does that what does that look like the seed is prophetic testimony, it's an answer to prayer, it's healing, it's an area of breakthrough, it's God's provision or his words to you, God's promises, his encouragements to you, so basically whatever God's done. So when something happens, when God does something, that's how we know who he is. We, we read who he is and we know, but when he comes and he heals somebody or when he comes and you um, know a breakthrough in your life, that is like the physical expression, that, that's the seed that tells us who he is and how he works. Um, so, so that's the seed. Um, have you made bread and eaten it? So, so you can hear, yeah, this person was healed and that's very nice and it's good for them. But um, have, you, have you processed that? Have you thought, okay, if God's healed them, what, what does that mean? What does that show me about, about God's? Um, don't take for granted what, what God's doing. That's, that's a nice thing for them. Are you actually processing and eating and being nourished from the things that God's doing? Um, so are you sowing? So take that seed and you can sow it into your own life. Are you fertile ground ready to plant that seed that God gives you? Can you hear um, what God's saying when something happens, when you hear someone's testimony, when you hear God's promise, when you read his, his promise? Um, and how do you nourish those seeds? So when you hear that, um, are you allowing God to bring forward the fullness of what, what that seed can, can bring? So thankfulness is part of that, saying thank you, and it causes that seed, that little um, first like seed full of DNA for what God will do, it causes it to grow and um, you start to see the fruitfulness. Um, You get to choose what you sow in your life. So I can hear somebody's testimony and I can say, okay, that's what I I want to sow in my life. Um, Even before there's a harvest, even before that breakthrough comes for you, um, you can actually nurture barrenness or emptiness in, in your life by saying, okay, God, I want this, but you haven't done it. Or you can choose to plant the seed that brings hope. There's a um, psalm, this is in the message, but it says, God, the one and only, I'll, I'll wait as long as he says. Everything I need comes from him, so why not? He's the solid rock under my feet. He's breathing room for my soul. So trust him, absolutely, people. Lay your lives on the line for him. God is a safe place to be. So God doesn't give a seed that he doesn't intend to bring through to fruitfulness. Um, There's a verse in Isaiah as well that says, um, just as water um, comes from the heavens and it causes the seed to grow and it produces bread for the hungry and uh, seed for the farmer, it is the same with my word. It always accomplishes. So when God does something, there's no... There's no um, possibility that it won't actually grow and bring forth um, what God intended. Um, And another psalm, so recognizing that that is not always an easy process. Um, Psalm 126 says, Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. And it's not always easy um, to keep planting when you don't yet see that fruitfulness. And perhaps, perhaps when we look back at the time we've been in, it, it's, it's felt empty. We've been waiting for the fulfillment of what God has said. 
it's been a hard time for lots of us. We've sown with tears. Okay, God, this is what you've said. God, this is what you're doing. This is what I'm hoping for. But we will harvest with shouts of joy. Um, are you sowing in the lives of others? So um, planting that seed, hey, um, yeah, just that really. It's not, it, sometimes it's for us to nourish us. Sometimes it's um, to plant into other, other people's lives. Um, and when I, I reread the uh, parable of the sower, something that really struck me was the farmer goes out and he scatters the seed and it, some of it falls on stony ground and it doesn't grow very well and some of it amongst the weeds and it gets choked and some of it on fertile ground and it grows and that's lovely. But so the picture of God as that farmer, he knew when he went out and planted that seed, he knew if he scattered it on the stony ground it wasn't going to grow but he still scattered his seed there. He didn't go, okay, this is the fertile, let me plant it here because I know that I'll get a really good harvest. He sc- it says he scattered the seed um, everywhere. So as a challenge, are you, are you scattering your seed? Do you pick, okay, I'll share this story with this person because I think they might get what God's doing or they might understand it? Or do you scatter your seed this is what God's done in my life so I am going to plant it and scatter it wherever I go with my Muslim neighbor next door who might know what I'm on about with the person who quite frankly looks frosty every time I talk about God as well as the person who I know will receive and hear and be encouraged do you scatter it wherever you go Um, and the last question what seeds do you have that you haven't yet sown. Um, a little while ago, Hugh Osgoods came to the Leaders Weekend and he talked about, um, are you eating your seed corn? So God gives us that seed and we can um, be nourished from it and that's great. But if you eat it all, that's lovely. And we go, yes, that was really good. God's good, he's been great to me. But that's not, that's not planting it out and God wants us to be people who plant out and see fruitfulness and it we, that's where we see the increase so what what seed what has God done for you or what have you heard or what is it that's that struck you in all the stories and there are so many amongst us what seed have you got that you haven't yet planted out somewhere thank you Annabelle it's a risky business sowing seed you have to be prepared to release what you've got And uh, as Annabelle was saying, you know, it doesn't always fall on good ground. That's not our responsibility. Responsibility is to sow. Uh, And uh, as we're nurtured about what we we hear and receive, and as we share that, uh, we can also be those who, who become a source of supply to others as well. Thank you. Right, Daniel. As I uh, was getting ready for the weekend, uh, a word came to me, or two words, black tulip. And um, some of you may have heard of the phenomenon of tulips in uh, Holland, particularly in the uh, 1600s. But there became a particular fashion for tulips, and black tulips particularly, the pursuit of black tulips. And uh, you kind of think, well, that's nothing wrong with that. But what happened is that at that time, Holland was, alongside Britain, was that foremost naval power. And um, as, as people got wealth uh, in Holland, they started to show their wealth off by getting tulips. Now, tulips are very nice, but they don't last. You can't eat them. You don't get anything from them. And so at the same time, people started to pour more and more of their wealth into having this fashion symbol, this, this thing of tulips. Um, us in Britain were making better use of our money. We were getting an empire. Obviously, that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> and we were investing in uh, buildings and, and moving towards agricultural revolution, industrial revolution, all that kind of stuff. We were investing in different things. And, uh, and our rival was investing in tulips. And I think it's interesting to think and to ask a question, is there, is there black tulips that we're pursuing? The Dutch didn't go out and steal tulips. They didn't kind of, they didn't, it wasn't a bad thing itself. It just they wasted their resources on something. They pursued things which fell short of their imperial heritage or their, or if we want to put it in spiritual terms, they fell short of the kingdom. 
in that sense. The things they could have done, they settled for something less. So I suppose my question to us is, are there black tulips in our lives? Are there things that we are pursuing? It might be a gadget, some kind of new gadget we want to get our hands on. It may be a particular attitude we're determined to hang on to. It may be uh, some, uh, some progression in work or some, some different avenue. But it basically is it's a distraction. It's a distraction from our heritage. So that was, uh, that was my, my thought. Is, is, there, is there black tulips in our lives that we need to deal with? So we're seeing and picking up from God that this is, this is to purpose. This is, he wants to bless us and, and uh, cause us to enjoy his presence and his love. Uh, but all the time, he, he has a purpose for us to fulfill. And uh, that's, it's quite a dramatic story. A nation that was, in many respects, a naval power, just like we were in those, in those times, gives itself to black tulips. It has a sad comparison with today. People are called to follow God, basically spending their lives having meetings in buildings, singing songs, practicing religion. And God has called us and empowered us to be a people that shows what he's like. I don't want to be involved in something as futile uh, as a religious pursuit when we are commissioned by God to move in his power, to show what he's like, to demonstrate the truth of who he is in this world. Let's just turn that back to God. Mark, can you come? And I think let's just take a little time. There's been quite a few things that you needed to hear this morning. As I say, we'll put some in the the bulletin so that uh, uh, you can pick that that up during the week. Uh, Make sure that's covered. Um, just looking for Wilco, but I can't... Oh, there he is, right there. Okay, um, we'll get that covered. Uh, but it's really important now, we just take a few minutes uh, that we've got just to turn that back to God and say, Lord, I want to be one who cashes in on the promise. I want to be one who engages with you. I want to be one who picks up something without dropping something else. I want, Lord, to recognize this is a time that you're talking about um, us receiving. And, Lord, I want to begin that right now at this point in time. Amen.